0: okay hi everybody welcome to the carousel podcast i have a very special guest here today michael Memchik, who is a hospitality professional we want to talk about the bear and what he's calling the wokefication of the kitchen um the bear is an interesting show i have wanted to talk about it also i published a piece about montana that's going absolutely effing insane on the internet and Food plays a big part in this piece because it's like about culture and the hollowing out of culture. Nemchik is one of the smartest people I know and one of the smartest people in particularly about food and wine. And he has a ton of experience as a beverage director, as a manager, as all kinds of things at various high-end places in LA. So we just wanted to uh, kick this off by talking about the bear and hi, Michael.
1: I think the other thing I would add is that, you know I started in the kitchen. Um, I, I transitioned to, you know, the front of the house, but I, um, started in high school, you know, on the line as a line cook, as a prep cook, as, a um, you know, in garde manger and the cold line. Um, so for me, like watching shows about kitchen life and, and culinary life, you know, I, I take a special interest in, you know, how they're portraying things. And, um, this one, you know, was, was definitely hyped up to be super realistic. And it also featured Maddie Matheson, who, um, you know, everybody that's in the food world really loves him because I'm not just a front of the house guy, I'm a back of the house guy as well. I worked as a line cook. Um, you know, I started slinging chicken wings at Hooters in Orlando, Florida. Um, so, you know, that gives me all the credibility in the world when it comes to fine dining. And, um, you know, I wanted to really love this show. I wanted it to be great. I wanted it to really be like the cooking show that everybody references as, as legitimate and, re- and reality. But unfortunately, I think, you know, it missed the mark on so many, uh, and so many points. So, you know, we can get into like um, exactly why it missed the mark and um, why I think it's, you know, a, a, a bigger part of the problem with just restaurant culture in general.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, so this show is on Hulu. It's about a Chicago uh, Italian beef restaurant. And for people who are not from Chicago, they don't know what Italian beef. Italian beef is like a gyro or like a, it's like a very iconic local food that's very delicious and comes with hot peppers. And these places in Chicago take a lot of pride in, in the things they make. So this is about a like top chef type, like, um, high-end, fine-dining cuisine chef who gets, like, falls from grace and has to go work at this ad- Italian beef shop. And it's, like, very gritty. And you can yeah. tell they, cast like, casted all the ugly people they could find in Hollywood. It was like, this See, is, like, what sh- Chicago people look like,
1: you know? Yeah, and that's the interesting thing because the show actually got a lot of blowback for, coast- for casting, quote-unquote, coastal elites and putting them in Chicago roles. So it's just oh. funny because you and I are you know, LA people, I guess, even though I don't live there anymore. But, you know, we obviously we look at it like, wow, they really didn't cast, you know, LA people. They really look like Chicago people. Yeah. Chicago. <laughs> feel, feel yeah. Like, oh, they cast a bunch of LA people. But I mean, you know, let me defend the show really quickly for a second, because everybody really ripped apart the fact that they got so much of the food stuff wrong. I mean, I just have a list here. An Italian beef shop would never serve spaghetti. They would never bake their own bread.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. The, they ba- the serve- bread baking's weird. It's like, yeah. They, would never, yeah, they would never do that.
1: I mean, there's just a list that's been going around on Instagram. They don't serve fries, but they serve spaghetti. What's that about? Why they don't serve bad- fries. Yeah. In the show, they don't oh, serve
0: fries. Oh, that's total bullshit. Every place like that serves fries. I they grew up serve- going to these places. These places were like my absolute favorite yeah. place to be. They like, serve
1: in- the a lot. Yeah. Like, they don't serve family meal. At restaurants yeah. like that, yeah, no family meal. Yeah, 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 no. yeah, yeah. Just the whole ideology of like how he did the Italian beef is not how you would do an Italian beef. You wouldn't cook your beef like that and thick slice it by hand. You would need a machine to slice it paper thick. So you're so technically what he was making is a steak sandwich. That's yeah, which Italian. is
0: not an Italian beef, right? Because Italian beef is exactly. very very thin. It's ultra ultra thin. Exactly. And you, yeah, you need a machine for that. It's true. Why it's would like they the, fuck you- all that up?
1: The Giardinera too, like the Giardinera, like they show up making that, um, you know, day of, and like Giardinera is pickled vegetables, so that would take like three days to make.
0: Yeah, it's or, not I mean, just pickled vegetables; it's a very specific type of pickled vegetables that like goes on sandwiches. And, and right,
1: stuff. so like, but like, I think all of that criticism is fine. Like, okay, it's it's a television show; like, they don't need to get all that right for it to be a good show. That's that's where I'll defend it. But what I would say about it, like in general. Is that the show was more about therapy than it was about anything else. And that's what ruined it for me. I found myself skipping through so much of it because I think that there's, it's really popular right now to talk about restaurants and kitchens as these like extremely stressful difficult places to work that just oh my god I mean there was an article I think from somebody in Eater in in New York that's like I, I felt so triggered I couldn't even I couldn't even watch it I had to turn it off and I and I think you know in my conversation with you about this previously I'm just like first of all like I'm so tired of people saying chopping onions and getting yelled at is like the most difficult job in the world because obviously you know working in you know Eastern Kentucky in a steel mill or a coal mine for 80 cents a day or working in the abattoir in Chicago, you know, where humans are falling into boiling vats. I mean, there are just so many other jobs that are like, wow, you know, I mean, isn't there like, are there shows about this? The world's most dangerous catch or people are getting like fish hooks in their, you know, in their back and stuff like that. I mean, I've worked in a lot of kitchens and seen a lot of screaming and yelling and, you know, I think that that is the problem with Hollywood is that's what they want to portray because that sells, but the main issue with that is, is that's not how successful kitchens run. And we could go into that ad nauseum and just talk about how the best, the highest performing, the most successful chefs out there are not screaming at their employees, they realize that labor is one of your highest expenses. You're not going to sit there and scream and yell and throw things. Now, granted, I've been a part of kitchens where that happens on occasion. However, what these shows get wrong is the chef is a CEO. He's running a business. So a CEO just doesn't get to work and, and all of a sudden start cooking with no plan. Like that's not <laughs> how a chef's, a chef's day work. Like that, that first scene, the first video, the first episode, excuse me, where he receives the the beef and it's wrong just the right weight like right off the bat you know just just think if you were in any other business and you got the wrong order would you just accept it and be okay with that that's not how it works in the restaurant industry either there's so many in, in chicago all places how many beef vendors are in the world's butcher shop like how many this is where beef beef butchery started so he probably could have made 15 phone calls to 15 other vendors yeah. that would have loved, loved to have his business and say, Hey, I need XYZ. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been in a kitchen and we've rejected an order and been like, Nope, this isn't right. These squash blossoms are, are wilting. This isn't, this is perfect. Sorry, we need, we want it, it. Nope, we're not taking it. And, oh, and then they jump on a, ch- a, a truck and, and rush to get over to correct your order. Like that was just completely wrong. And again, you know, I think you talk about high performing kitchens. And that was really the disconnect, I think, the main disconnect in this show is that he supposedly comes from Noma and a kitchen where it's fine dining, where every day everyone's sitting down perfectly manicured, wearing clean, you know, well-kept, well-dressed outfits and with pieces of papers and pencils and just going on and on about, this is our plan, this is our strategy, this is what we're going to do. You don't just jump into war and battle with no plan. And that's another thing that, that, you know, so again, like we could just keep going on. I'm ranting now, but. So why do you
0: think, why do you think people are into this show because people are kind of into it?
1: People are into it because it it's really popular right now to talk about mental health. And it's really talk, popular to talk about like how people don't talk about mental health. So anything, <laughs> anything that you could, anything that you could do to shine light on a, a facet of society where it's mentally unhealthy and like people don't talk about it like that's 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 going to resonate with
0: me right 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 you right know?
1: so and, yeah. and I just feel again like to my point like yeah kitchens are you know can be stressful environments it's hot you know people are are, are, are vulgar but that's not all kitchens and it's not and I don't think it is anywhere close to the hardest job out there
0: so yeah. I just feel
1: like that's that's largely like snowflakery. I mean that's just snowflake-ery. I don't, I don't, yeah, I just think that's that's utterly ridiculous. Yeah, one. it
0: number- is trying to present the kitchen in this, in this way of like, they're trying to, yeah, tell the same Hollywood story that yeah. has been told with the mafia, with advertising. They're trying to kind of Hollywoodify the kitchen, which is interesting because the kitchen has resisted that forever. Like there really is no, there's no Don Draper, Tony Soprano, uh, sure you know, or sure. Breaking Bad guy of cooking. That's never really happened. And so it's funny that they're trying to do that. But it's kind of working. That's the thing. It's like, it's kind of like, it, it feels like people are into it. Like they're kind of like ready for that.
1: They're into the site. I mean, and this is the thing, you know, the, the reason why I was skipping through so much of it is that they don't really invest a lot in character development. You know, I had a conversation with Steve Dolinsky, who's a Chicago food critic a couple weeks back because he's the foremost expert on pizza. And he said he wrote a screenplay, a, a treatment for a pizza show, because the, the history of Chicago pizza is like crazy. And he's like, nobody in L.A. wanted to pick it up. And I'm like, well, I lived in L.A. He's like, do you know anybody? And I'm like, no, not really. But that show would kill because it's full of characters that are interesting, that have backgrounds, that have backstories. Like we got so little of anybody's backstory. It just seemed like ridiculous. Like this girl, Sydney. I mean, I think everybody's kind of attacking her, but like, oh, all of a sudden, you have time to write a 30 page book report slash business plan. I've never met a sous chef. That, can, yeah,
0: that, can, that like, was the most ridiculous part. She shows up and she's just like, I've written a 35 year old or 35 page binder of suggestions about the business. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like she was trained. What was it? She was like in the CIA. <laughs> what was her? What was it?
1: Yeah, no. The, she went to the culinary. That's exactly where I went, actually. The oh yeah, right, right. Sorry, America. she
0: went to the culinary industry, So She went to like a top place and yeah. worked at top restaurants and then she also is now at the at the, the the at the Italian beef shop and she has time to like oh just write up a quick 35 page like binder of suggestions that i'm sure yeah. are all like great suggestions right like and oh, she's
1: talking about to goes and yeah. food costs and 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 here we have the chef who apparently has worked at the best restaurant in the world and i mean like the first thing anybody not even chef like logical human being you're going into a business that you have no idea how it's functioning. You're gonna to want to look at the financials. He, he he finds out in like episode three that they owe three hundred. three hundred thousand dollars. Wow. Like, you know, like you're not just gonna, you're not just gonna open. Oh, we can't we can't not open for a service. It'll bury us. Yeah, you can because your expenses typically in every restaurant I've ever worked at, your expenses typically are are the 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 nut that you have to crack every day. You're, you have to pay for that labor. So. Cutting that labor oftentimes closing for a couple days saves you a hell of a lot more money than staying open so it's just like so many, and I think you know what, like I said they didn't need to get everything right they didn't even need to come remotely right on the food. I just think making it so many of these like cut scenes where he's just like in the in the alley, you know today was really bad for me chef. everybody yelled at me they sabotaged my onions like you know come on like i just i I don't i don't want to i don't want to watch that you know and then the whole situation no
0: that scene where she's like lecturing him about like her day is just so and he's like yeah you're right you know you're really right
1: i read an article in the atlantic talking about the brutal um you know the brutalist system of the brigade you know how okay yeah so
0: what is this brigade system what is this
1: So there's this guy, August Escoffier who was in the French military. And this was a time when kitchens were places of barbarism. People were drunk. Nobody listened. It was loud. There was yelling. There was no order, no structure. And August Escoffier comes in and he institutes this order. He he divides labor. It's what you would do in any business. You would say, you know what? This is the guy that's going to do the sauce. He's going to be the saucier. This is the garde manger. This is going to be the sous chef. This is going to be the chef de partie. He gave everybody a job, everybody a role. He instituted structure, order. He was very, everything you read about him, he was very quiet. He, he was insisted upon calm and and quiet and high function in his kitchens. He was not that he was not Gordon Ramsay. He was not screaming. And if you go back to Franklin, and that's the, this is the, Gordon Ramsay's part of the problem too, because people also think that that screaming is how it is. But you go and listen to somebody like Eric Repair or, you know, Corey Lee at Bennu in San Francisco, and these people are not screaming in their kitchens because they don't have time to scream. They're focused and they're functioning. And honestly, that scene in, in, in the second episode where like the guy's at his ear yelling and telling him how much he sucks when he's plating, that was the best part of it. I was laughing hysterically at that part because again, let's, let's step back. This show is supposed to be a comedy right? How much did you laugh during the show? Not much, because it was about therapy. It wasn't about- Yeah, that's
0: what people, it's like another one of these comedies that's not funny. It's like, it's a comedy, but it doesn't make you laugh. You never laugh. There's never like, ah, ha, ha, ha. It's always like, oh.
1: So, so Sydney should have been, should should have been, she should have been the one being like, hey, can we make this? She should have been all, all, all excited for it to be a brigade system. Because that would have mean that a, it's not only a system that she probably grew up in, if she went to the CIA and learned from, but that would have made that system, that kitchen, much more effective. So the fact that she was against it was really strange. But I mean, I, yeah, again, like right. on and on and on through the show, every every single episode kind of, you know, reflects what I call this wokeification of the kitchen. you got to reflect and a a, a reality that's that's not really the case and we can kind of go into that as well
0: Well, okay. Um, what do you mean a reality that's not really the case what do you mean
1: well let's let's talk about the demographics of the kitchen right and i think i kind of talked a little bit about this in our in our conversation before we recorded in that you know you have a lot of women working in the kitchen and the minorities that you see typically are not african-americans i mean depending on the region that you're in you see a lot more white people, a lot more Hispanic people. I mean, especially in Los Angeles, I mean, it's 60, 70% Hispanic. i worked in kitchens where, I mean, my Spanish is, is pretty darn good because for 14 years I worked with people from Mexico, Central and, and South America for every day. So, you know, it's just like this having, you know, all, all of these people, it, it's almost like society wants to reflect a reality that's woke, but it's not the reality. That, that, that you see in the kitchen that's not what you're going to interact with because what would um, it be
0: more like yeah right it wouldn't be like a bunch of people just like yeah what would it be like? it would,
1: you're, you're not going to have a, a black guy pastry chef i mean like honestly i 14 years i've never met a black man <laughs> played pastry chef never not one time i'm sure there's, i'm sure there's one and i'm sure he's great but i've never met one you're you're not going to see a black girl sous chef. I mean, one of my really close friends is a black girl sous chef and there are black girl sous chefs out there, but like, how rare is that? You know, like incredibly rare, like in a beef restaurant in Chicago. I mean, maybe, I don't know. That just seems unlikely. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's just, and, I, and I'm thinking like from a, a, sc- a screenwriter standpoint, like how are we going to make this more realistic? I know let's put something that would never <laughs>
0: Probably will never happened in there, <laughs> right? You know, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, like especially for a show no, like this because a show true. like this is like it's it's relying because you're right, it's not funny, so it's not relying on jokes, yeah. so it's relying yeah. on like cinema verite, you know, it's like relying yeah. on like it's real, it's so real, yeah, like, like the, the guys like, they talk to each other like real people, but then yeah, it's like it's, it's, it's this phony world that they're setting up where it's like, yeah, genius black girl sous chef who is like a business wizard it's like give me a fucking break it's like oh yeah it's just so not realistic not that black women can't do that it's just that that character doesn't exist you know it's like that's not a real character
1: and that's what they want to portray. And and that's unfortunately, you know, why I think there's there's a window of opportunity for somebody to go out there and write a real show.
0: Yeah, because a they real, you- <laughs> I think there's a demand for it. There, there, people want to see this kitchen show. That's why I mean, people are tuning in. But like, it doesn't really pay off. It's like, it's almost there, but it's just too phony. And it's like, if somebody just made the real version of this, it would be great.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think so, but what, I mean, and, and that's kind of why I say it's the wokeification of the kitchen, right? Because what would the real version of this be? It wouldn't be sexy. Yeah. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be exciting. You know, it would be a bunch of people speaking Spanish. Um, you know, they wouldn't be eating that risotto for staff meal. <laughs> I'll tell yeah. you that much. Right. You know? So it's just, yeah. uh, I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, so many, there's so many issues with it and, and, you know, we can kind of finish up with, you know, just, it's not just this show, it's, it's the culinary land in general.
0: Okay. And, so tell us about the wokeification of the James Beard Award.
1: Okay. So James Beard Awards are like the food, uh, awards for Oscars. Um, and, um, you know, they're held in Chicago every year and it used to be something that, you know, I think, I mean, maybe it still is, I'm not really in that world anymore, but it used to be something that a chef really aspired to have, The winners every year just get farther and further from the original, I think, mission of what James Beard was trying to do. I mean, James Beard was a culinary uh, monster and, you know, he was a person that really advanced food culture in America, you know, and that's kind of what was, that's, that's, that's pretty much his goal to, to further and, you know, extend and, uh, you know, push the boundaries of American food culture. And I think that when you look at some of these awards, you know, and I think I highlighted um, a couple of them. I'm not looking at, you know, some of the stuff that I I talked about, but um, best new chef or or outstanding, the winner of outstanding chef and the winner for best chef in Chicago. Now, Chicago is a little bit different. I haven't been here forever. Um, There are, there is a a very large, predominantly African-American population on the south side and there are quite a few african americans here so i can't really speak with you know any authority on the ethnic makeup of you know the culinary scene here but to talk about restaurants that are pushing the boundaries like james beard i think would have wanted to you know you have to really go back to i think the dean of chicago cooking and this guy charlie trotter right who in 1989 came out with an all-vegetable tasting menu, something that they're trying to do now at a restaurant in New York called 11 Madison Park and apparently failing. But he did that in 1989. He was doing you know, smoked scallops with ginger soy broth in the early 80s. He was doing tasting menus. He was pushing the boundaries. That's what I think of as like best new chef or best chef, outstanding chef. So the winner this year um, was a, a black lady from, um from south carolina i believe i think i wrote what's her name written there
0: shama bailey
1: she also won best new chef in 2019 and now, now she's outstanding chef so that's what four years four, four years apart she's winning two awards and, and we're talking about um the entire yeah. country here 300 400 million people how many chefs out there and this woman that is cooking in um Called the Grey, which is basically a formerly segregated by a bus station in the South, um, that she started with a um, a businessman from Staten Island, a white guy, and she might be an amazing chef. I mean, I looked at her menu; it sounds fantastic. I love Southern food, but to me, when I think about people that are pushing the boundaries of Southern food, I think about Sean Brock. I think about people that are, you know. Utilizing every ancient grain they can find, or coming up with new and innovative techniques, or maybe you know classic um, interpretations but done differently, or introducing people to food in a new and enlightening way, or maybe in a classic way that hasn't been done in you know hundreds of years. I don't really know what this woman is doing. That's outstanding. I could be ignorant, and I and I and I'll I'll definitely say you know I'll be the first to say. I probably don't know enough to be an authority on this subject, but the fact that she's won Outstanding Chef, Best New Chef within three years, and then on top of that, you look at the person that won Best Chef, is it Great Lakes, or uh, what's the one for, um, for, for for Illinois? It's like Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, and Michigan, right? Some 30, 40 million people just so happens to be another Black guy.
0: Oh yeah, okay. I don't yeah.
1: Right. So, you know, again, you know, I have a very close friend's black chef. I have a lot of I actually have a several black black friends that are that are chefs. I could probably Oh Eric
0: Williams. Eric Williams. Eric Williams. Virtue.
1: I've heard his, I've heard his food is incredible. Honestly, it's in Hydeberg. I've heard his food is incredible. Is he the best? Is he out there? What are we judging on? What's the criteria? And that's where I have the issue. He might be the best, but when you go to their website, when you go to the James Beard's website, you look at their mission, and and what is their mission? I mean, the very first thing they say is inclusion. Yeah. And they talk and they talk about right. how.
0: It's like what does inclusion how, have to do with food? It's what does inclusion like, have
1: to do with? It your, seems your, like
0: food should be the one area that is like just colorblind you don't even yeah. see the chef you don't see yeah. the chef The chef is behind the scenes it's like exactly
1: I don't understand and I mean granted right. these people might be the best but it just seems like on their website they say our mission we have 40% BIPOC now and our mission is to hire 50% BIPOC and I just feel like why <laughs> like, like like why why do we have to utilize you know why do we have to, to create this reality that does not exist and 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 it's almost like we're trying to push the culture forward and per, and pretend that just pushing it forward and then all of a sudden you're going to learn how to ride the bike you know and all yeah. of a sudden we're going to just be exactly diverse exactly. diverse society all of a sudden that's yeah. not yeah. what that's not what kitchens are like they're they're 10 15 percent black people at most they're 50 60 hispanics the rest are white right. where's the Asian.
0: hispanics like yeah where's the why are there no, where's the hispanics at and well and then, like and the whole basket
1: and then you look at the person that won for Great Lakes. And, and this one was like the icing on the cake, the cake. Because you go to this restaurant, you go to this restaurant's website and they say, we serve decolonized food. Oh, Did you look at this? Oh, they don't serve, they don't serve, we don't, nothing, nothing, you know, decolonized. Nothing
0: colonized. It's nothing, been no flour,
1: no butter. We only serve like you know tacos.
0: And- they only and- and- serve piece- pieces of spicy. What is decolonized food? It's I'm gonna say something mean, mean, racist. I mean, by what does that the- even mean? Yeah,
1: the fact that that's a selling point to me, and I, you know, and I'm a person of color, and it's just amazing to me because like, this, I just don't, I don't want to hear about this yeah. when I go. At- well, I, I
0: really remember know. when we hang out in LA, you take me and and everybody to these like incredible. Chinese places that are way out right. in the San Gabriel Valley that are so authentic and it's like chicken feet and like weird gin- gelatinous, just crazy, yeah, crazy yeah. stuff. So it's like it's it's funny, be telling you're not interested in decolonized food. Like it doesn't even seem interesting. It just seems like... No,
1: not at all. I mean, look, honestly, like the winners should be all Asian people up there. It right. should be all, because I mean, you want to talk about, you know, the unsung heroes of the kitchen. It's Asian women. Yeah. that we're not really talking about. I mean, I saw I saw um, Mr. Jews, one in San Francisco. That's an incredible chef and a great restaurant. But I mean, again, I just feel like it's so directed at, you know, everybody but white people. Let's highlight everybody we can, but Caucasians. Um, and that's just not the reality. And I feel like they should focus more on the ingredients and the food and and the the crisis that we have in the fact that our food supply is just so screwed up and the things that we're eating are full of plastic. Like that should be the mission of James Beard. It should be, let's preserve and Promote American food and the and the masters of it wherever they are whoever they are whatever they look like. If everybody's white up there, like why do we have to cry about that? I don't understand why that's a big, you know. What I mean? Which
0: is, but but this yeah. is happening. So why do you think this is happening? It's happening in the Oscars, right? The Oscars are now one hundred percent about inclusion. Even you know, like the LSATs just got made in California like ten times easier because it's not enough inclusion. Yeah. So all these things that used to be about excellence or excelling yeah. are now about inclusion. So why? Why is that? Why are we saying this?
1: You know, honestly, um, I don't know. I think some of it is a pushback against, you know, the, the, the previous four years administration and, and this unapologetic attitude that people on the right had about we are who we are and we don't care. And we're going to cuss. And, you know, now I think it's, I think it's just kind of the pendulum swinging the other way, but I mean, I don't know how long it's going to last. I mean, you look at Harvard, for example, an Asian person sued and that's going to the Supreme court. Yeah. And I think that, you know, Chinese Americans are not about affirmative action. They do not like this, you know, let's let this, this, this attitude that, that everybody has. So I think you're going to really radically start to see, minorities pushing back against this too i don't really know why it's occurring all i know is it annoys the shit out of me i mean i just don't i don't want to eat at a decolonized restaurant i want to eat at the best restaurant right I really because care. you
0: don't want to win something because you're i mean it's like it's also just this isn't even it's like being good at food really is yeah. colorblind it's not like yeah. like yeah okay like, like it's not like basketball or like math that there yeah. really is, like, big differences between, like, yes, some races are, are good at, at different things. Food is a place that everybody is pretty much equally as good at. Like, it's not like white people are inherently, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like... I mean,
1: I, 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 and I'll, I don't even say that, like, you know, there are certain places in the world, and you read a book like Guns, Germs, and Steel by Garrett, Jared Diamond, and you really understand that, for example, in Africa, there were just not a lot of carbohydrates. So... They didn't really have the opportunity to develop, you know, that much diversity in their in their cuisine. Whereas you have Western Europe and, you know, they were sailing to the Spice Islands and stealing shit from Mexico. Yeah, but you know who's
0: <laughs> fucking the worst food people in the world is the Netherlands and above. I mean, those people are terrible. I, no, I, I know. You
1: kidding me? No, I just completely disagree. Copenhagen and Stock- Stockholm, had uh, the, the, the wine lists in, in Stockholm mind-blowing really? okay. well, you would oh know by,
0: you would know much better. yeah i i
1: i, 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 yeah. I would actually thought Stockholm had better food than Copenhagen and Copenhagen had, I mean, I went to a, a three Michelin star restaurant in Copenhagen where you pull your fork out of a drawer and I was just like, what is this bullshit? I, I don't know. I just, I, it's just like they don't change your silverware. It's like in a drawer. And I'm like, yeah. you can't give me a new fork. I have to pull it. I could just pull it out of the drawer at my house. Why am I even here? Well, this and is I'm, why you know.
0: Asians are, this is why Asians are such a trump card to all of this because it's, it's totally true. It's like, you can see that. OK, if it's been a bunch of white people winning forever and we're pulling forks out of drawers in Denmark and just who gives a shit. And it's just like, oh, they're doing, you know, they're doing in ingenuity, but the food doesn't isn't actually good. Yeah. You know, sure. then it's like, well, OK, you can understand them trying to get away from that, which is inclusivity. Yeah. Right. I get that. But if they're going, instead of, like as you're saying, going to these incredible Asian places that are doing the craziest stuff you've ever seen, instead, if they're giving it to somebody who doesn't really deserve it, which it sounds like you're saying, that kind I mean, like,
1: of... Well, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm sa- I don't am i know. I'm just saying it. Just it, it's just like the little question mark above my head is yeah. raised. Because I'm just like, how, how is it? It's almost like you're presenting a picture to me that cannot possibly be true.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: It, it just cannot be possibly true that the best chefs in an area of the country that is predominantly white, full of predominantly white restaurateurs, and it's very hard for an African-American to start a restaurant. It's very hard for a black person to to get through culinary school and to be respected and to find a following and to get funding. I mean, it's much, much, much harder to be a great black chef than it is to be a great white chef just like straight up so how is it that these are the best people have they just risen above and become that great you know and i mean maybe that's the case like i in the back of my mind i keep thinking of the friends of mine that are black that are great chefs and i'm like yeah they're incredible they've had to go through some really tough situations uh to get to where they are but i mean you know being in the kitchen with Danielle Balloude and Wolfgang Puck and, you know, um, Thomas, Thomas Keller, and like watching these people plate and cook. And I just, I mean, it's just a different level. And I would just be surprised if that's where we're at with these awards. Maybe we are, but I think it's unlikely. And I feel like if I would go to these people's websites and look at what they're doing and and look at their, um, their backgrounds and see that they were, you know, known for a particular dish or whatever. Like, like even a, even a hack like Dominique Ansel. I mean, I stood in line for the Cronat in New York. It was an, it was revolutionary. It was great. His kooka-de-man is fantastic to watch that guy cook. Yeah, he's all about gimmicks, but man, can that guy make pastry? He's incredible. You know, his 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 technique and his ability is undeniable. And I feel like you need something like that some ability like that to make you an outstanding and a great chef and i might be ignorant to the fact that these people might have it i just feel like it just seems like it's wokeification yeah, it just yeah, seems like we're
0: cheapening trying to... it's cheapening the whole enterprise because it's not actually appreciating excellence it's appreciating something else oh, <clears throat> okay so <clears throat> before we leave what uh where do we go from here so what happens now do you think there's going to be a backlash to this or is just like, like what's happening with the Oscars, whose you know, viewership has just literally like gone in fives. I think it was like, you know, 50 million to like 9 million. So is now James Beard just going to lose its, or are people just going to be like, oh, well, that doesn't matter anymore.
1: I think it already doesn't matter. I mean, I think it's already gotten there. I, I think nobody already cares because at the end of the day, it's like, a James Beard award doesn't mean you're the you make a lot of money. It doesn't mean you're, you're automatically Danny you've got the billion dollars to bank. You know, I mean I and that's why I'm saying like I see an award like outstanding restaurant tour and I'm thinking like okay, what are the qualifications for that? You should minimum have three restaurants doing um, a million plus in sales or actually not even in sales in profit. You know, I, I, I don't understand how you can get that award without being an incredible business person. And this goes back to the chef as the CEO, you know, most chefs are not really spending a lot of their time in the kitchen. They're working on their business, not working in their business. And that for me makes a great chef. You have to rise above the kitchen outside of the kitchen and get to a point where you realize that your establishment not only is an operation that is providing for all of these people, but it has to actually turn a profit this whole ideology that we're not going to turn a profit and we're going to donate money back. And I think another, you know, I remember when I first got to LA and fine dining was collapsing, you know, and it was just like all the fine dining restaurants were going away and it was really difficult to find a a serving job, a hospitality job. And I think that we might go through like a crypto winter for restaurants here pretty Mm -hmm. soon where you really see a lot of these tasting menus or a lot of these restaurants that are championed for being, you know, 87% BIPOC start to close. I mean, I looked at this, this woman that won outstanding Tour, and she cooked for Gabrielle Hamilton in New York. This is, this
0: is Mashama Bailey.
1: Right. Okay. She cooked for Gabrielle Hamilton in New York. Is Gabrielle Hamilton in New York even still open? I don't think she is. You know, I don't think these restaurants, I, I would love to look, I would love to look at a lot of these people that win these awards and say, what what is your success rate after you win this award? How long are you open? Are you still cooking? Are you still in a restaurant? Do you are do you create a dynasty that spawns hundreds and hundreds of chefs and become a dean and a grand master, or do you go? You know, are are you doing interviews and and, and eater videos, and are you doing you know, Food and Wine magazine or whatever at this point? Because your restaurant's closed, you know what happens. And I think that that is going to be really telling because I think a lot of these people that are winning these awards aren't really going to go anywhere or do anything. And I think that in of itself disenfranchises and cheapens the brand. I think that right. probably, you know, it,
0: it brings it all down and down. I and down.
1: think that probably hurt Oscars too, because they started yeah. giving the Oscars to people that you're like that person won yeah. the Oscar. Who? Yeah. Who? Like yeah. Nobody right. even saw that
0: Wait, movie. Which like, sucks because it's like it, it, acting is also another one of these things where it's like, there's, right. there's no need to do that. Like the, the, People of color and everybody rise to the top when they're good. Exactly. You know, it's like Sid- Denzel,
1: Sidney, po- Sid- Sidney Poitier. The, mean,
0: Denzel's you know? as good as anybody. They, they, yeah. It's not like it's not like yeah. It's like I feel like these guilty white people they they think like, oh, um,
1: we've got to give it to the we've got to give it yeah to the, we got to
0: give it to the, the, the black pro- person because otherwise they're never gonna figure it out. And it's yeah. like that's obviously not true. It's like they don't they just don't need to think that, and it takes away from Denzel. That's the thing. It makes so, it so that now, oh, now Maharaja Ali is on the level of Denzel, which is so not true. You know what I mean? Like, Denzel's so I mean, far was, above he, that he, guy. He was,
1: he was pretty good in... Uh, he was that true detective? Right. He was good in... I mean, uh, that's true
0: detective. Like, he's he's like B-grade. No offense, Maharaja. But it's like, compared to Denzel, Denzel's like top, top level. And to to say that, you know, somebody like that is on the yeah. same level as Denzel, it's yeah. just like, it's bullshit. And it, it's it's like the white people who are guilty are just digging their hole even deeper because it's like, all you're doing is cheapening black people even more. You know, you're just saying like, yeah, I
1: mean, it's not, it's not just black people. I mean, it's gay all, people, it's know, trans you. people. It's, it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's everybody. So I don't know what's going to happen. Honestly, I have no idea. Um, but, uh, I'll, I, I, you know, I don't really go out that much anymore. Honestly, I'm like kind of disconnected from the food world. How's so I almost feel like I'm,
0: How's, how's I'm Chicago? Not-
1: it's fine. You know, it's, it's, it's good. I mean, every, it's just, it's a steakhouse town, which honestly, like, I think it, I used to, I, I used to talk a lot of shit about it, but now, you know, if you're going to, if I'm going to open a restaurant, I'm opening a steakhouse. I mean, it's, it's a much better model. You're, you're selling an expensive product. People are paying a premium for it. um, You know, people are paying for salty watered down vodka and, 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 and overpaying for it, you know, and it's, Oh, their blue cheese not all of That's an extra seven dollars. <laughs> you know, it's just like it's it's a better model. You don't have to just constantly innovate, decolonize your food. So people will think you're constantly great busy.
0: we're constantly decolonizing our food. And by that, we mean just making it really cheap, we're, we're sell, make hollowing it out and then selling it for the maximum price. That's why yeah. that's what hedge funds yeah. do. And, and they hate
1: food. And it's like, I see all of these, I look, I keep an eye on the LA scene and I'm like, man, there's just so many brand new spots out there. And I'm like, man, how many are these? I mean, you know, I mean, I worked, I worked in 21 restaurants in 14 years, 21. And how many of those are still around? Like probably less, probably less than 10%. Yeah.
0: That's crazy.
1: You know? So I think it's, um, who knows what's going to happen? There's not, but you know, you have restaurants here, like Gibson's that's been here for like, you know, since 1850, like Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln ate at half the restaurants here, you know, right. so I don't even, I feel like that's what you need to go for in any business, in any, in any pursuit, you need to go for, you know, you need to be Jeff Bezos, you need to be playing the long game. And I think these restaurants are just not playing the long game. They're not looking for that ingredient or that dish that's going to make people drive from, you know, Kalamazoo because they have to have, you know, the the triple fried steak i mean they're just they're just not doing that here and or or, or not here rather there you know yeah. in, in places um so i don't know i just think it's going to be a, a wholesale change it's going to be cloud kitchens and, and we're going to be all eating we're going to be eating um in the metaverse and it's all going to be on apps and unless you're um unless you're transgender like you'll have to pay a, a surcharge that's, that's probably <laughs> but anyway this has been fun
0: all right man thank you thanks for coming out I, I'm I'm gonna be in Chicago soon so we'll talk
1: all right cool we'll, right. we'll, we'll go we'll go somewhere and we'll decolonize
0: Okay we'll decolonize all right, all right bye. All right.